word. So for those of you who haven't been on this week, the Lord's just taken us in a really interesting direction all week long, whether it's been on the broadcast or in services or meetings that we've had throughout this week. And really what's ended up happening is while pastor has not physically been here on the broadcast, God has been showing that he has a supply that every single believer can tap into. Every believer has access to God and his power. There is not one believer on this earth who is without the ability to wield the power of God. That's his design. That's his desire. And he wants us as a people to lay hold of the power of God and bring heaven to earth. God wants heaven to come to this earth. That's literally his will. As we read through Matthew, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, that is part of it. On earth as it is in heaven, pray this way. How do we see heaven come to earth? We've got to start wielding some power from God. It's not enough to know that it exists. We as believers have to be laying hold and releasing it into this earth. Why? Because Psalm 115 and verse 16 tells us that the heavens, that God, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of man. He has placed mankind on this earth for a purpose to occupy until he comes to go into all the world and make disciples armed with the ministry of reconciliation. See, we as believers, we have been given this amazing opportunity to be ambassadors of God on this earth. And God has vested us with the mission to go seek the world and tell them hope is alive. You have a hope that's available to you right now. That's what he's placed within our hands. But oftentimes we haven't necessarily done those things. Or if we've started to, at different points, we've shrunk back. We've gotten distracted. The church as a whole is not operating in that power. Why? Why do we shrink back? Why does our flesh try to make us draw back? Because our spirit man, though it knows the truth of the matter, we've allowed what we see with our eyes to be more true. And I believe that today there's an anointing on this broadcast, that there's an anointing to cause our eyes to come open, to understand who we truly are in Christ, though we may not have understood it before. Today is the day for God to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to show us who he's caused us to be. God has a supply for you. God has a supply for every single one of us. God has a supply. He has a plan and his plans are only good, filled with hope and a future. Are you ready to find out who you are? See, until we know who we are, we will oftentimes, more often than not, be convinced away from the truth. We've been raised in a world that has tried to teach us that we are something that we're not. See, we were made in the image and likeness of God. Genesis chapters one through three shows us that God created us in his image for a purpose. He created us not like animals. He didn't create us like trees or like the birds of the air. He made us specifically created us to be in his image and in his likeness. He created us like God. We were made just a little bit lower than himself. He created us for fellowship. He created us to abide with him. We were created to wield his authority. That's why he told Adam to be fruitful and multiply his will on the earth. We were, have been vested that same promise, that same design, and that same mission to be fruitful, multiply, to be, and that's not just talking about making kids. That's talking about being fruitful in the things of God and multiplying his will on the earth. Well, when man fell and we sinned, it's because we didn't have a full revelation of our identity in God. 
Eve and Adam were tempted out of who they were called to be by believing that they were not enough, that they did not have enough of a supply. You know, when that serpent goes to Eve, it's like, surely you're not going to die. God knows that if you eat of this, you'll be like him. You'll think like him. You'll know the things he knows. The reality was she already had that in her hands. Like it was as real as this Bible that I have in my hands, that Eve was already made in that image. She wasn't lacking anything. She didn't, she was not without. She had everything she could need. But that lie of I don't have enough, that lie, that deception, it caused her to be tempted and she ate of the fruit she wasn't supposed to. Then when she went to Adam, he fell for that same deception, not the same deception. He fell for the deception that I've got to stay in unity with Eve. So he ate that, tempted, fell from God. And from that moment onward, that sin of I'm not enough, I don't have enough, I need to grab hold of something that's outside of God, that sin has tried to be passed down from one father to the next father to the next father to the next father. It's tried to trickle through the ages. Satan has used the exact same lie over and over and over again that we're not enough, that we don't have enough, that we need more. When the reality is, In Christ, we have full access to everything we could ever need. And put this in the comments. In Christ, I have everything I will ever need and that I will ever want. In Him. In Him. Now, this world that we live in tries to convince us otherwise. It tries to get us to look at ourselves, to look at the flesh, to look at what we can see with our physical eyes. But there's a higher way. There's a higher realm in God. You know, we were talking about it last night at Impact. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. That's telling us that the level that we've been operating at There's a higher level of truth that we can come up to. And until we're willing to say, Lord, open my eyes and show me how I can see the way you see. Teach me how to hear the way you hear. Teach me how to know the way you know. Until we're willing to come up higher to God, we'll always be in the lesser. There's a higher realm of operation in the kingdom. And that operation comes by yielding to God, by abiding in him, listening to him, flowing with him. And it's through him that we begin to learn who we are in Christ. We will never be able to find out who we are until we abide with him. Because the very purpose of our creation was for fellowship with God. So until I begin to abide with him, until I begin to abide in the vine, I'm a lost leaf blowing in the air. I'm a flower that will not be able to live very long. I'm pointless without Christ. The whole reason I'm created is for the Lord. I'm created for fellowship You're created for fellowship with God. We're created for fellowship with one another. We're created for God's purposes. And so until we know him, until we begin to fellowship with him, our destiny will always be this great big thing that we don't truly understand. And it'll be something that we try to strive for and we try to make happen and we try to force our own agenda and we become our own defender or we become our own promoter or whatever it is. The reason that people do this, the reason that people operate in pride, the reason that people operate in needing to defend themselves, the reason people despise themselves, whatever, any which way accusation we could throw, the reason people do it is because we haven't known who we are. When we get to know who we are, we get to know whose we are. 
See, I will never be able to understand my spiritual DNA until I look to the rock that I've been cut from. Until I look at the source of my life, I will always be wondering, well, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What, what do I have available to me? But when we look to our creator, when we look to the one who created us with his hands and breathed his very life into us, it's there and only there that we'll find our why, we'll find our power, we'll find, and it's not even ours, it's all his. See, the clay can't determine what it's useful for. The clay doesn't get to set their worth. The clay doesn't get to determine why it was made. The potter alone understands the intentions of the why. The potter alone knows how to take each vessel and use them for honorable things. The clay pots can't do that themselves. The potter understands the wealth. The potter understands how to cause each one of his creations to thrive and shine with his glory. See, we just, we declared it not long ago, not, not actual time-wise, not long ago. This is our year of the glory. How's that going to come? We need to know who, who we are and whose we are. Glory will never come outside of that revelation. It just won't. Because until we're in him, we're not qualified to carry his glory. So it's vital for us to know who we are. It's vital for us to know who we belong to. It's vital for us to get a revelation of these things. Can you begin to sense it already that the Lord has come in to shatter any deception that we have to prove ourselves, earn it ourselves, do it ourselves? No, he wants to obliterate that thought today. And that thought, it's sneaky and it's pervasive, but here's the thing, it's not ours. That thought doesn't come from us. That thought comes from the deceiver. That's not our thought, that's a deception. It doesn't even originate inside of us. The real us, our spirit man knows that there's something greater that we're connected to. There's something bigger than ourselves. Our life is so much bigger than ourselves. We're connected to something greater. So if you will, turn with me to John 14. And before we get to John 14, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ. He doesn't say that we're servants. He doesn't call us slaves. He says we are all sons and daughters. Every one of us. If we're born again, we're a son and we're a daughter. We're a son and we're a daughter. Hear that. No matter who you are, if you have received Christ, and if you haven't yet, you can by the end of this broadcast. But for everyone who grabs a hold of the salvation message of Christ, we became a son and a daughter in the moment we said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. In that moment, we were given the spirit of adoption by which we can cry out, as John 15 says, and say, Abba, Father, we were given a new dad. Your earthly parents may have done their best, but still come up very short. You could have had great parents, opportunistic parents, but the moment that we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we were given a new father. The ultimate father, the best father that there could be. And in our father's house, there are many mansions. In our father's house, there is goodness and joy. In our father's house, there is healing and life. In our father's house, he wipes away every tear. Our father is a good father. Our father has made us his children. And our father is not a punisher. Put that in the comments. Our father is not a punisher. Our father is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our father is your rewarder, not your punisher. Your rewarder is God. So Galatians 3, 26 and 27. 
For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. See, we may have at one point in time been dressed in the ratty, tattered, broken, nasty, stained clothes that the world offered us, that sin offered us. We may have been clothed like that at one point in time. But in Christ, the moment we received him as our savior, we were given a new father and we were given a new robe. And that robe is Christ, 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 not Jesus, the man. We were clothed with Christ. What is Christ? The anointed one and his anointing. See, that thought that tries to come in and say, you're not enough, you don't carry an anointing, you don't have any power, your life is just going to get handed to you and you're going to have to take it. No, that may have been what happened as a sinner with Satan as our father, but the moment we accepted Jesus, we had a new dad, we had a new authority, and we were clothed with an anointing. Our clothes got changed and no longer are we in the ratty, torn, garbage clothes we were in before. No, we've been clothed with the righteousness of the anointing. We've been clothed in righteousness. We've been clothed in Christ. We're clothed in the anointing. You know, the story of Peter walking in the book of Acts and just his shadow caused people to get healed. Why? Because he was clothed in the anointing. His robes were the anointing. He carried that anointing with him. And just his shadow caused men to be healed. That's not done. There's this religious movement that says that, you know, the gift stopped in the book of Acts. I'm sorry. I didn't read that part in the book of Acts in the last chapter where it says, and now all the gifts are done away with and God's children have to suffer and be in pain and just deal with a whole bunch of garbage because the first disciples are now up in heaven. Good luck, everyone else. They're the chosen ones. Have at it. That's nowhere in my Bible. My Bible says, but thanks be to God who is always leading me to triumph in Christ and is always manifesting through me the sweet aroma of him, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him. My Bible says that we're the head and not the tail. My Bible says that we can lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. My Bible doesn't say that the gifts are done away with. My Bible doesn't say that the vine of God shriveled up when the last disciple went to be in heaven. No, that's man's worldly logic because it's scared and it hasn't understood true fellowship. But if we will demonstrate true fellowship and if we as believers will be carriers of his fire and be carriers of his presence itself, then no matter what situation we're in, we carry with us the ability for the anointing to break the yoke. See, the anointing is never just for one person. The anointing is for the world. God wants his world set free because he's already paid the price for us to walk in freedom. The revelation of it's just got to hit. And that's why this broadcast is existing today, because we've got to know who we belong to. We've got to know who he is. If we believe this garbage lie that God is a punisher and he's waiting around every turn to slap us on the wrist and tell us that we haven't done good enough and that we've got to earn it and we've got to do five Hail Marys and pray in a certain way and read the Bible a certain many hours and be qualified enough to carry the anointing, we're going to talk ourselves out of the power of God and the power of God will be around us, but we won't be the partakers of it. The river of God is always flowing. There is always a river that we can tap into and step into. There is always a supply of the power of God available always. But whether we step into it has everything to do with whether we know it belongs to us. We can't be afraid to step into the unknown. We can't be afraid to get messy. So many of us have been afraid that we're going to miss it for God. And, you know, I, God, I, I served you, but today I lied and now you must hate me. 
or God, I was trying to do right for you, but I said, I said the word shoe when I met the word sneaker and I just messed up the whole prayer. No, God turns all things together for those who love him. If we love him, we're connected in the vine. If we love him, we were purchased with a price and we belong to him now. We can't mess up too big for God to not be able to fix it. God can fix any mess up I make. God can turn it all for my good. God is bigger than every storm. God is able to handle any mess. He is the ultimate fixer upper. God can handle it. Put that in the comments. God can handle any mess that I face. God can handle it all. But if I try to handle it myself, and that's where we've gone kind of sideways, and we've made these theologies and these doctrines that God can do some stuff but not all stuff, or God in his sovereignty just brings problems to us. No, he doesn't. God does not send problems to his children. He's a deliverer. How messed up would that be if in his very name, he claims himself to be a deliverer and then he sends us into problems just to show off that he can deliver us? That's jacked up prideful thinking. That's not my God. My God is a deliverer. He's not a punisher. He's a deliverer. He's not a punisher. He is my deliverer. So the reason that we have seen all these experiential doctrines that say otherwise is because instead of abiding with him, we've stepped outside of him and we have tried in the past to handle our problems on our own. Why? I don't know, because we've got corrupted thinking. I don't know. There could be any number of reasons why. Pride, trying to show off to God that we're worthy of his love. That's a big one. Not recognizing our need for him. It doesn't really matter the why we've done it. The fact is we've done it. And things get hard and heavy when we step outside of him. Because we're no longer connected to the source of strength and power. But if we'll abide in him, in him In the vine is all the life, all the power, all the goodness that we could ever need. And if we'll abide in him, we'll have everything we need. Put that in the comments. If I abide in God, I will always have everything I need. God is faithful. God is faithful. Why spend this much time talking about how good God is? Well, number one, because he's God and he's worthy of it. But number two, We've got to obliterate any hesitation in ourselves that God is not as good as he proclaims himself to be. We've got to trust him. You know, when that headache tries to come and there's that thought that comes up and is like, is this the last headache I'm going to have? Is it a tumor? Like, I mean, that people's minds work that way. Thank you, all of those Google searches. You know, you Google, why do I have a headache? And one of the first things that pops up is, oh, must be cancer must be a tumor. You must be dying. The world thinks that way. The world goes from A to Z. God is my healer, no matter what I see, no matter what I face. So if a temptation comes up for me to doubt God, I've got to know in my knower that God is only good. I've got to have it inside of me so that when I get pressed, it's God that comes out. When I get pressed, God has to be what comes out of me. You know, when I'm facing a situation and hope has tried to be graded away, why does hope, why does the enemy try to grate hope away over time? Because it's easy, it's easier in a moment to rise up and say, no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. But if it's a continual grading and we've let it happen, We've let it happen in our flesh. Our flesh doesn't want to worship. Our flesh doesn't want to resist the devil. Our flesh just wants to succumb and be like, just get it over with. 
We've got to stand up in a righteous, in our righteousness with a righteous indignation and say, if it's less than the fullness of God, this is not his will for me. And I'm refusing to partake of it. I'm refusing to think on it. I'm refusing to tolerate it. I'm refusing to be moved by anything other than the vine. God and Holy Spirit and Jesus alone are the only things that can move us, should be able to. And that's what we've got to get a resolve on, on the inside of us. John 14. I didn't forget. We're going there. So John 14, verse 10. He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The works that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. So he says once, believe I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Then the very next verse, believe me that I'm in the father and the father is in me. See, Jesus, we talked about this last night at Impact. Jesus was tempted the same way we are. Jesus was born as a man on this earth and had to find out who his identity was as well. He didn't wake up one day as a three-year-old with this massive revelation download from God that says, okay, Jesus, remember you used to live in heaven and you're equal with me in heaven. And this is what I want you to do. And now just live perfect. And now I just anoint you as a super baby. No, Jesus had to live as a man the same way we lived as a man. Jesus had to find out who he was the same way we had to find out who we are. He had to go to the word and study the word and let the Lord reveal to himself, number one, how good the Lord is, but number two, who he has been called to be in Christ or not in Christ, but who he's been called to be himself. He had to accept that call. See, he could hear, he could read through the word and read in Isaiah and read all these prophecies about who he is and hear it. But until he received it as truth, it wasn't his reality. But Jesus had to do the same thing we're talking about today. He had to crucify his flesh. He had to put down every temptation. He had to choose to say yes. Every time God spoke to him. And he had to choose to find himself in the word. But what he found in the word, what he found in his fellowship with God was that he could have a fellowship where there is a vine and he could hook into it, where there's a supply and he could abide with him. This is what we're to do now. See, there's a vine Jesus says in John 15, 1, that he is the vine and the father is the vine dresser. And we are not just to observe the vine. We're to become a part of the vine. And I don't want anyone to miss out on what's being preached here because we're now talking in a figurative language. What he's saying is that God exists and I exist. And as I abide in him, God exists in me and I exist in God. We're together. We're one. You can't separate us. He's in me. I'm in him. We're one. We're tied together, baby. We are together. We are one. I'm in him. He's in me. I'm in him. He's in me. I'm in him. He's in me. When he was tempted to think other things, Jesus had to remind himself, no, I'm in God. God's in me. And I'm not going to do anything to disrupt that fellowship. I will choose to grab a hold of this word and I'm not going to let anything tempt me out of it. That's why Satan coming to tempt Jesus to worship him. That's why it was so demonic. Jesus had received the revelation of who he was. And what Satan was tempting him to do was to break off his fellowship with God. Jesus had a fellowship with the Lord. He had a fellowship with the Father. The Father was in him. He was in the Father. And Satan no longer has access to that fellowship. He's so jealous. He wants so badly what man has access to. Satan wants to be like God. We are made like God. 
We are made little gods in this earth. And that royally messes with people's religion. I get that. But it's scripture. It's the Bible. Satan sees it. And he tries to come in and convince us that we're something that we're not. By reminding us of the old clothes that we used to wear. Of the old habits that we used to have. Reminding us of all that had been. Instead, and instead of us looking at the tree, at the vine that we are now planted and have been grafted into, we remember what used to exist. You know, look at John 15, 1. I'm the vine. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. See, he's giving us a word that we can stand on, a word that's a command that says do this, but the choices is in our hand. So as we're going to read through the rest of John 14, there are promises, conditional promises that belong to us if we'll choose to abide in him. It's not mandatory. Should be, but it's up to us. And it's not a once saved, always saved situation. We literally see here that we can start abiding in the vine and we can also choose to sever ourselves off of the vine. So if I choose to listen to the voice of the tempter, and if I choose to tolerate his lies, and I choose to believe them and start to follow them, even though my root system to the world has been shriveled up and has died, the world is like a weed where it'll grab a hold of any living thing and try and choke it out. So if I will listen to the weeds, if I'll hang out with the weeds, and I'll surround myself and plant myself near that soil, the weeds will try and ensnare me and choke me to death and it can rip me from the vine that's why we must 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 have a revelation of whose we are and who we are so that way if a weed tries to come up and tries to grab a hold of us we cut that bad boy off before it lays a hand on us We have a different life source. We are no longer who we once were. Old things have passed away. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Pastor Danielle put it in the comments yesterday, day before. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. That's not just talking about others. That's meaning we're not to recognize ourselves according to the flesh. We're not to recognize even ourselves according to the deeds of the flesh. We have to choose to let the old man stay dead. Dead. The old man died. If anyone, if anyone had the ability to have Satan come and accuse him, it was Paul. Paul, the murderer. Paul, the one who persecuted the church. If anyone had royally screwed up, it was Paul. And yet Paul is the one who writes, it's not I, it's Christ who lives in me. Paul, who wrote this book, who wrote Corinthians and said, don't look at man based on what they've done before. Don't look at man at who they used to be. Don't remember those things. Call to remembrance that stuff no longer. Let the old man be dead. So that way, when the accuser comes and tries to blame and point fingers and remind us of all this garbage, We're quick to be able to say, I don't know who you're talking about. That's not me. 
Um, I saw you do it five minutes ago. Nope, that's not me. That was my flesh man, but my flesh man is dead and is crucified. My spirit man is the real me. I'm in him. What was a death plant where I used to be poison ivy, I've been grafted onto a different vine and my very DNA changed. The very nature of where I draw life from changed. I used to get life and food and satisfaction from soil that was trash, but now my soil has been made God. The vine is Jesus and I'm in him and he's in me. You can't separate us. You can't tell where one stops and the other begins. The real me is in him. And we've got to let our flesh man stay dead. And we've got to let the deeds of the flesh stay dead too. Pastor Zach said up above, this is why we can say we're carriers of his anointing, the glory, the fire of God, because we are one with Jesus and one with God. Amen. Kevin says, when we are grafted into the vine, we become one. Yes. Do we look at a branch in a grapevine and call it a tomato plant? Of course not. It's a great plant from the root to the fruit. A hundred percent. See, this vine that we're a part of, we were adopted, but being adopted does not make us less. We were chosen. He tells us in John 15, going back to John, hear this. It's a little different than what I where I thought we'd be going, but man, let the word just reveal this truth. In John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. Do you hear how few times Jesus says me in there? That verse is chock full of promises for those who would believe in him. And he says, I didn't, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Why did I, why did he choose us? That we would bear fruit, that our fruit would remain, that we would have whatever it is that we ask in the name. See, there's a life source that's coming through the vine and whatever is in the vine belongs to the branch. The vine does not have a supply that it only keeps for itself and the branches are without and it's got to beg the vine to feed it. No, it's the same plant. It's the same plant. Hear that. It's the same plant. A tree is every much a tree. A branch is every much a part of a tree as the roots are. The fruit is every much a part of a tree as the branches are. The leaves are every much as part of a tree as the bark is. It's all the same plant. It's all the same thing. We are one body. One body. We have a head that is great. We have a supply that is different and untainted by the world. You know, the world may say that we have to earn certain things. Look, I'm preaching myself happy. Like I, I, I'm choosing to sit down. I'm choosing to stay seated. But when this starts to become real to us, what can stop God's body? It's not any different than God. Let that hit you. If God, as the head of the church, cannot be stopped, how can his body be stopped? If we're connected, the whole body is on the path to victory. If God is victorious his body is also victorious it can't be any other way if we're abiding in him if we're abiding in him we can't not have victory if we're abiding in him we can't not have healing if we're abiding in him we can't not have provision if we're abiding in him, we can't not have joy. 
Because all of these are different facets of him. If I'm a, if I'm a part of the vine, then guess what that means? Everything that God is, I am. And put that in the comments. Say that over yourself. Let that be your declaration today. Everything that Jesus is, I am. I am Jesus. Now, don't get theologically twisted. I'm not saying we are the son of God, but I'm saying we're one with him. In the same way that I can stand as a representative for my husband and my husband and I are one and I can stand and say, I am now I've been given a new name. I've been grafted into a new family and I can stand with his same authority. And there's no difference between he and I except for characteristics. Spiritually, we are one. Spiritually, I am one with Jesus. I'm one with him. I am him. He is me. Together, we are one. I don't have Barrett Diane Nower's life pumping through my veins. I have the life of Christ pumping through my veins. I don't have my blood in my veins. I have the blood of Christ in my veins. So cancer has to die. Sickness has to bow. Attacks have to flee. Because if darkness can't be around God, then darkness can't be around me. Because I am him. He is in me. It cannot exist at the same time. If I'm in him, then his life has to live in me. It has to. And to religion, that's, that's the same sort of spirit. Though It's the same spirit, not the same sort of spirit. That statement, what I've been saying, for the, what the Lord's been saying for the last three minutes, it's that sort of confidence and that sort of revel, revelation on a micro scale compared to Jesus. But it's that sort of talk and that sort of thinking that caused the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus's time to get all up in their feelings and decide we can't have him around. He's going to cause too much trouble. He is already disrupting the status quo. So yeah, we will absolutely face persecution in our flesh as we walk out this revelation. But guess what? If they couldn't stop Jesus, they can't can't stop you. If they couldn't stop Jesus, they can't stop you because we have overwhelmingly conquered in Christ the world. We've conquered the world. We've conquered our flesh. How? Because Jesus chose to take the payment for our victory. He chose to take that on himself. He chose to be the one to pay that price, to take all sickness, all scoffing, all mocking, all disease, all toil. He took it all and died and then rose again so that we could reap the benefits of it. We have been made conquerors. We have been made conquerors. Say that over yourself. I have been made a conqueror. I have been made a victor. I have been made the head and not the tail. I have overwhelming victory right now in my hands. No matter what I see, no matter what I face, if God the Father can sit in the heavens and laugh, I'm of that same DNA. I'm a part of that same vine. And if God seated in heavenly places is looking down at the enemy's attempt to try and steal, kill, and destroy, and he's laughing, then I can laugh. If God is mocking the attempts of the enemy, so am I. I'm not in fear because God's laughing. I'm laughing. I rejoice always. And again, I will rejoice. I won't back down. I won't shrink down. I'll stand. And having done all, I'll stand. Why? Because the vine won't shrivel up. It can't die. Hear that. The vine of life that we have been grafted into, it can't die. It can't be touched. It can't shrivel up. We have an unstoppable, always alive God. And that life will always be ours for the taking. Always. 
always, we have a new life. We've been grafted into a new kingdom. Glory to God. Like that joy that just came in as we started ministering in this direction, that joy that came in, that's reminding us of who we are. Let that flood out of you right now. Let the, I know right now there's supposed to be some people that do some Holy Ghost laughing. Let that joy start to bubble out from the inside of you because the enemy's a loser. He's a defeated foe. He cannot stop Christ. He cannot stop you. If you're in him, you're untouchable. You belong to God and God alone and your vine will never shrivel up. Glory to God. Praise you, Father. Now, that's not to say, as we said earlier, that we can't hop off the vine. We absolutely can choose to stop abiding. But when this becomes a real revelation, why would we? That's why we've got to get it down on the inside of us. Get it down in the depths of our spirit, man. In the deepest trenches of our soul. The truth of God. So when the temptation to quit comes, we recognize that's not my God's voice. That's not what he sounds like. That's not even the real me. The real me would never say that. The real me that has everything needed in Christ would never say that thing. That's the voice of a liar. That's the voice of the deceiver. That's the voice of a murderer. I'm not moving on it. I move only at the word of God. I say only the word of God. I do only the word of God. That's why. So that we can continue to abide in the vine. There's promises that come in abiding. He says in that section, going back to John 14, he gives us the command, abide in me. But then he also gives us the why. Because we can't bear fruit unless we abide in him. In John 14, verse 4, abide in me, I in you, as the, that's the command, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. That's his why. He's not making a rule to make it difficult. He's saying, abide in me so that you can be fruitful. That's his why for your benefit. Yes, it, it brings him glory, but God's heart is to bless his children. So the command is abide. The why is so that we can be fruitful. And then the promise he says in the next verse, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, here's the promise. He bears much fruit. If you'll abide, if we'll abide, we will be abundantly fruitful, abundantly fruitful. We hear this. We can't not be fruitful if we're abiding in him. That heart that wants to please God and wants to be fruitful and wants to do good things for him. What do we have to do? We just have to abide. That's why the Lord's been having pastor preach this. Buddy put it in the comments a while ago. That's why the Lord's been having pastor preach, abide, listen, and obey. Because God wants us to be fruitful. And if we'll only abide in him, abide means that we listen and obey. If we'll just abide, we have to bear fruit. It's a mandatory side effect of abiding in him. We become fruitful. I want to do great things for God. You know how you start? Abide. Just abide. Be in him. That word abide, it means to stay, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to stand. We endure to the end. We don't shrink back when things look difficult. We recognize the truth of the matter that the supply of the vine is more than enough to conquer anything we could ever see. The vine is enough. The vine is drawing from God in another realm. 
See, I was talking to Mr. Mark Presley, who's a farmer, this morning about it. The vine of God, it's not even drawing from worldly sources. That supply of life that's in the vine, it's drawing it from the Father himself. It's drawing it from Jesus. That is the vine. There's life of a heavenly nature inside of it. It's not even of this world. That vine must cause its branches to produce fruit. We have to choose to endure. We have to choose to realize that vine will be enough for me. When a winter comes, that vine's not going to let me die. I'll have more than enough in the vine. No situation that comes against me can prosper. That's why when we did declarations a little bit ago, I said today's is a good one. Because every weapon formed against us is exposed and destroyed and can't prosper. Why can't it prosper? Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God. The best and biggest attempt to overthrow God was Satan's attempt when he secured a third of the angels and they tried to form a coup in heaven. What was the result? Satan fell like lightning. So if anything's formed against the vine, what's the result going to be? It's going to fall like lightning. Darkness cannot stand against the vine. The vine will endure to the end. All things will pass away, but not God. God always has been, always will be, and always is to come. He is always, all the time, alive and filling his children with life and power and supply from heaven. If we will just get a revelation, just have him open our eyes to see it on a heavenly level. See, it's time for this body. And I'm not just talking about boomerang. I'm not talking about what's right. It's time for God's body to get a revelation of who we are in him. Because once it's real, once we know that it's true, we won't be stoppable. That's why in Revelation, it says they overcame, how? By the blood of the lamb, by the sacrifice of Jesus. They overcame by the life that's in the blood. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. They overcame by the word of their testimony. They prophesied the truth and the life of God. And they loved not their life to the death. When we get a revelation of God's life, we stop thinking about our own. We stop factoring ourselves into the equation because God factors us for us. God is the one who's anointed to look out for us. God's our defender. God is the source of everything we need. He's our supplier. He's our protector. He's our savior. He's everything we need. Everything we need. God is the one who is anointed to watch out for our lives. That's his job. And when I get a revelation of how real what we've just been sharing is, I'm not going to be looking at myself. I'm not going to be quick to fly off the emotional handle. I'm not going to be moved by situations that I see. I'm not going to be able to be pushed into fear. What's going to come out of me is exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan. It is written. 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 This is what my vine says. This is what my father says. It is written. It is written. I'm not going to move off of the word because the word, Jesus is the word made flesh. This word is Jesus. I'm not moving off of Jesus. I live in him. That word is Christ. <coughs> that word is our life. I'm going to feast on that word. I'm not going to feast on the words of the enemy. I'm not going to feast on the words of the accusations. I'm going to feast on Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm not going to listen to anything other than him. 
He's so faithful. <coughs> He's so faithful. Buddy, do you have anything real fast? <coughs> You're not plugged in, buddy. You're not... Hi again. Uh, so it's me here. Um, no, the biggest thing that's been sticking out to me in light of... Oh, am I unmuted now? Okay, we can hear me. Awesome. Uh, the biggest thing that's been sticking out to me in light of just the importance of... Um, Joni says that was great miming, though. In light of, you know, being connected with that vine, you know, uh, apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, nothing worth value. Nothing that has value. Nothing that that lasts, you know, um, a lot of times, uh, and this is something that the Lord's really been challenging me in is there's a lot of things that I did believing. And I would say that I'm doing it for him. Um, but there's a difference between doing something for him and doing something from him. Um, I would like, I've written books and I've preached a lot of messages and I've done a lot of different things saying that I'm doing it for him. But if God never authored me to do it, if it didn't originate from his source, from his flow, that all of that is not, I'm not doing it really for him. I'm doing it from myself. I'm doing it for myself. I'm convinced and I believe that I'm doing it for him. But if he didn't tell me to do it uh, and I'm doing it anyway, I'm doing it for me. Under the deception and the guise that I'm doing it for him. And, And this whole abide, listen and obey has been uh, stretching for a lot of people, not just me, but but for a lot of people. And it has been stretching for me too, because it's like, oh, I want to do something. I feel like I need to be doing something. I feel like I need to be, uh, you know, productive. But how am I productive? How can I actually be productive apart from him? I can't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, uh, he who abides in me, they'll bear fruit. So if I want to produce fruit, I have to do it from that place of in him. I have to do it from that place of abiding, listening and obeying. And so like I can be caught up and spend my whole life in this noble deception that I'm doing all these things for the Lord. But if he's not the author and the originator of it, again, if it's not flowing from that source where he's authoring it and he's bringing life to it and he's bringing power to it and I'm feeding on uh, on from him and I'm coming and it's all coming and originating from him it's all it's all it might look like it's producing but it's not really producing lasting fruit uh and uh and that's been the thing that's been sticking out to me the most well and branches can't produce fruit by themselves like it's not even us that produces that fruit it's all god Every bit of it. That's why all, literally all we have to do is abide. How does a branch produce fruit? Because the life of God shoots into that branch. The life in that tree shoots to it and it causes it to start to bud, to start to produce that fruit. See, any good thing has to come from God. If I do a work and it's not authored by him it's not a true fruit it doesn't belong to the tree so it may be something i create with my hands but when all that's left in eternity is the vine of god and the children of god that are grafted onto that vine and the fruit that he has produced through every single branch everything that we've built ourselves it'll be gone it'll be burned up in the fire of god So if I'm creating my own works, if I'm creating my own actions, if I'm trying to do good, but it's not God telling me to do it, it will not last. I'll get up into eternity thinking I have this great big pile of fruit to present to God and I'll turn around and I'll have nothing. God is the one who causes the fruit to come. It's not my job to make myself fruitful. It's not my job to produce fruit of my own accord. I abide in him and in abiding fruit comes. It's literally that simple. 
And our brain like rejects how easy that is because it's so backwards from how the world works because we think we need to be doing and doing and doing and doing. But the reality is all we do is abide and in abiding, he caused the bear, he causes the bearing of fruit to be. It's not us. It's him. All of it is him. This power that we'll have in our hands, it's because we're in him and we're just an open vessel that he can flow through. The clay pot does not fill itself. God fills that pot. Like it's a great point you brought up, but I've done the same thing and I'm not, I'm not here like jumping on. I'm just that God has had to entirely rewrite my thinking because the majority of people watching right now did not know me five or six years ago. My husband did. Pastors did. The girls did. And George will tell you, I used to get so bent and I've still had temptations that I have to put down. But I used to get so bent at showing off and showing how good I was as a Christian, how powerful I was. And it was worthless. Barely anything I did is going to matter in eternity. But praise God, he's able to rewrite all of that stuff so that a yielded, willing vessel can begin to bear that fruit. That's all he's wanting from us today is revelation on who we are to start to ignite in us a willingness to take him by the hand and just abide knowing that in him, he is all that we need. Truly, there is nothing else we need outside from him. In him, there is the church. In him, our relationships. In him is satisfaction and joy. But all of that's in him. I'm not just to make sure that we're super clear and that we don't have anyone that's like, cool, just me and God and peace out, church. Not what I'm saying. All of that's found in him. But I'll never need anything outside from him. He is all that we need. He is our supply. And he's so faithful. So right now, let's just pray. <coughs> Lord, I thank you that in you, we do have all that we need. In you, we will find our life and we'll really begin to live. In you, we have joy over, overwhelming and everlasting. We have you. And we give you praise and glory for it. We thank you, Father. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord, for that life. We thank you, Father. Right now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or it's just been a minute, or you've been attacked with the thought that you're not connected to the vine, let's just deal with that now. So right now, pray with me and say, Jesus, today I make you my Savior brand new. I believe that you love me. I believe that you are the true vine. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you're good. And I want every bit of you. So right now, I lay down my life and I pick up yours. Not even a fair exchange. I pick up your life. I call you my savior. I call you my Lord. Jesus, you call the shots and I will be obedient. I will abide in the vine. And from this moment forward, I abide in the true vine. I have been grafted in. I belong to you. I no longer belong to darkness. I belong to you. And now we've transitioned into a prayer for everybody. Say that I no longer participate with darkness. I no longer am tempted away from the vine. Today, I have eyes to see. Today, I have ears to hear. Today, I reach out with faith and I grab a hold of the vine and I'm not letting go. I will endure, and having done all, I will continue to stand. 
I will not depart from the life source of God. I am the head. I am not the tail. I am overwhelmingly victorious in this world. Now, Lord, let this declaration of faith be true. Let the testimonies from today's broadcast be that the overwhelming victors rose up in their identity, that the overwhelming victors of God came to life today. We thank you for it. We trust you. We receive this revelation and we have you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank y'all for being on today. We love you so much. If you want to partner with this broadcast, then share it. Send the good news to someone that you know. You can also partner financially. You can do that by going to givew.org. You can scan the QR code, not the other QR code, this QR code. <laughs> you can scan the QR code. It'll take you to our page and we have a variety of ways to give. So make sure that you are obedient. Just hear his voice. Just abide. And hear this. No matter what you sow, it is nowhere near able to deplete the supply from heaven. When we sow, we're just making room for the next. We're just making room for the bigger. We are tapped into a God who supplies and supplies and supplies and supplies. So if he's telling us to sow, know that there's bigger on the way. We're just making room for the increase because that's who God is. That's who he is. He's so faithful. So Lord, for every single person who's sowing today, blessed in the name of Jesus, blessed is their finances. Blessed. 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 In every way they can be blessed. Let the increase come quickly. Let it be supernatural. And let the people of what's right be known as those who have been with God, not only in spirit, but in increase financially. In Jesus' name. 